So over the past few weeks, over the past few weeks, we've been talking through this series called The You Effect. And what we've been saying and the definition we gave was we are looking at how you affect the people around you. How you affect the people around you. How what you do and what you say affects the people around you. How you affect those people. Like you may not know this, but you actually have an effect in this world. That when, and here's what I want to talk about tonight a little bit, that when your identity is in Christ, that things begin to change. But I want to look at that definition real quick. Can you hit the slide for me? What, an, what your identity in Christ actually means. People always say that. This thought of like, hey, you have an identity in Christ. But what, what does that even mean? And so I want to kind of look at that word identity for a second. Your identity is the thing that makes you stand out for you. That's your identity. The thing that makes you stand out, right? Like that makes you, you. Man, that is my identity. It's the thing that's different about you that classifies you. It's what Jesus is doing and has done in your life that gives you an identity in Christ. So your identity is like, hey, what's different about you? What stands out about you? Your identity in Christ would be, hey, it's what's different about you, what stands out about you because what Jesus is doing and has done in your life. And so when I say, hey, your identity is rooted in Christ, it's, it's based and it's formed out of what Jesus is doing. And so people recognize you. They see you, they define you, not by your accomplishments, not by how great you look or how um, kind you are, but rather they identify you and they define you based on what Jesus has done and is doing in you. And they say, hey, you are, your identity is now primarily a Christian. I am a Christ follower. There's a guy that we're going to look at tonight um, that you may have heard about. His name is Zacchaeus, and this happens to him, that he has an identity shift that, that is drastic and that is sudden and that is looked down on by everyone around him. This is how the story goes. This is Luke 19, verses 1 through 9. It says, uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He wasn't a regular tax collector. He wasn't like a mediocre. No, he was a chief, meaning he was in charge. He was above all. He was the boss of other tax collectors. This is a guy. He's a big dude. He's a rich guy. And it says it. And he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because the crowd, and he was a short man. This was like a kid at the Christmas parade, right? Where they're like trying to see through everyone's legs, and so you've got to find a high vantage point to see. This was a short man. He was not uh, big in stature, but he was a rich man, and he was a well-known man. It says, so running ahead... I want you just to hear this for a second. This is a grown man. Just, let's just not forget that. This is a grown man who is a boss of other people. Running ahead, he climbed up in a sycamore tree since, he, since Jesus was about to pass by. This is a grown man that runs down the street in front of everyone else, scatters up, gets up, shimmies up a tree, 
To see Jesus passing by, like, when was the last? I want you to think about your father for a second. Like, I thought about my dad in this. Like, dude, I ain't never seen my dad climb a tree. And, like, I've never seen him run because he was, like, excited. Like, ooh, like, giddy, right? This grown man is running down the street, climbing a tree, looking like a fool in front of everybody because he wants to see Jesus as Jesus passes by. And as I was like kind of thinking on that, it kind of, the question like that hit me was, wait, wasn't he a rich man? Like, didn't he have everything he needed? Like, he had it all together. He had all the money. He had all the stuff that he needed. But yet, he was running to see a man pass by. He was making a fool of himself to see a man pass by, to get a glimpse of something. Like, what in his life was missing? I need you to hear that. That there was something, I believe, that Zacchaeus would say, there was something in my life that was missing, and the only solution I could think of was that this man might be able to fulfill that. That all of his money, that all of his wealth, all of his status, all of his things were not satisfying. And I heard people tell me that when I sat in your seats and a pastor stood up here and would say that, and I would say to God in that moment, yeah, but God, just give me the money and let me see if I'm not satisfied. Like, maybe, maybe it was just Zacchaeus. But if you look at people today, time and time again, you see these very wealthy people, these very rich people, they do things like commit suicide, they do things like overdose on drugs, they do ridiculous things and say ridiculous things, they do things like run for president, they do all sorts of crazy things. Because the wealth is not satisfying. And so they're seeking to find satisfaction. And Zacchaeus found himself as a grown man up top of a sycamore tree waiting for Jesus to walk by. And he thought he was seeking Jesus. But we see that Jesus was actually seeking him. It says that when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus! Like, catch that. Jesus already knew his name. They'd never met before. They'd never seen each other before. But when Jesus came by and he saw the man in the tree, he already knew his name. Because that's who Jesus is. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because it's necessary for me to stay at your house. Not only did he know where Zacchaeus' name, but he also knew where Zacchaeus lived. He knew that his house wasn't far away. He knew that he wasn't from a different city or a different town following. No, he knew, I know where your house is, and today I must stay at your house. So come down from the tree. He knew this man. He says, so he quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. Listen, and all who saw it, all who saw Zacchaeus interact with Jesus complained. They say, man, he is going to stay with a sinful man. 
Man, Jesus is going to stay with that man? Now, you got to understand, you have some thoughts. I know this because I know you guys, that you have some thoughts about me. You have some thoughts about pastors. And your thoughts are likely this, that those are very good people, that they have their life all together, that if they really knew all the things that I have done, they would probably be really ashamed of me because they have never struggled or dealt with things like I have dealt with. That there is a good chance in your mind you have some of those thoughts roaming around because those are common thoughts about people who stand up and say, hey, you should know Jesus. And these people looked at Jesus and with those same thoughts about pastors and about priests in those days, and they said, wait, Jesus is hanging out with that sinful guy? No, no, he doesn't identify with the sinful people. But yet they didn't know Jesus. It says that they went to Zacchaeus' house, and it says Zacchaeus stood there and he said to the Lord, and so I don't know what conversation happened. I don't know what went down, but we find ourselves where he took Zacchaeus and they went to his house and he's standing there and he says to the Lord, look, Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Now the law was if you had extorted or stolen, you pay back twice as much. And Zacchaeus says, no, 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 I will pay back four times as much. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to his house. This house, Jesus told him. Because he too is a son of Abraham. Listen, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. What Jesus did for Zacchaeus would go against every tradition, would go against everything you would think is normal in that time, would go against everything that you would expect out of a priest or, 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 a, or a prophet, out, out of somebody who you thought was perfect, would go against everything you may even expect of me or that I would do. It goes against all of it. But the bigger thought that I want to pull from this is, is what was true for Zacchaeus is also true for us. See, Jesus isn't like all those thoughts that we may have about those people. You know, what was true for Zacchaeus is true for us. And here's what's true for Zacchaeus that's also true for us. is Number one, that Jesus knows our name. That Jesus knows your name. That before you ever heard the name of Jesus, Jesus knew your name. Before you ever thought about who Jesus could be, he was thinking about you. That Jesus already knows your name. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care how dirty you feel. That Jesus already knows our names. And he also knows where we live. That he knows what goes on in our houses. He knows what goes on where we live in our mental spaces. He knows what goes on in our minds. He knows the fears. He knows the anxieties. He knows the doubts. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's, what matters to you. That he knows your name. 
that the God of the universe knows your name. And he knows what matters to you. And he knows what you struggle with. And lastly, he knows what you've done. For some of you, that might be scary. That he knows everything that you've done. See, when Jesus met with Zacchaeus and those people said, man, he's hanging out with a sinner, Jesus didn't turn around and say, whoa, whoa, wait, this guy's a sinner? No, Jesus already knew Zacchaeus needed him. Jesus already knew everything that Zacchaeus had done, and yet Jesus sought Zacchaeus out. He was seeking Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus ever was seeking Jesus. That he knows what you've done, but he also knows who he's calling you to be and what you would be if you would be obedient to him. That if you would say, man, I choose Jesus, he knows. He knows who he's calling you to be. But for some of you, and especially you regular churchgoers, we are often a lot like Zacchaeus. That we climb up in a tree, we look down, and we watch Jesus pass by. But for some of us, it means that we now get out of the tree. That we listen when Jesus is calling our name. See, some of you have been coming to church and you've been coming to these events and you've been sitting up in the tree over and over and over again that you get out of your house, you get into your car, you come here and you climb the tree to watch Jesus pass by. And I believe that, that this is a night where Jesus is saying, man, I'm calling you out of the tree. I'm calling you to stand with me, to come with me, to join with me. I'm calling you to bring me to the place where you live, to invite me into your house. And I want to meet with you. I want to be with you. It means you just stop being an onlooker. You have to accept the invite. You've got to say, okay, Jesus, I'm getting down from the tree. God, I don't usually do this, but I'm, I'm risking everything to meet with you. Like, I'm willing to meet with you. And it means you say yes to Jesus when everyone else is trying to talk you down. When the friends around you are trying to talk you into a different direction. See, Zacchaeus didn't pay any attention to that. And yet he found great reward. Like, I need you to know that there's no one in this room, there's no one here, none of you that can hear my voice in this moment who lacks an invitation. That Jesus hasn't seen you in the tree and just passed by. That none of you here have lacked an invitation. That you've all received an invitation. The question is, have you accepted the invitation when Jesus says, hey, I see you, and I know you, and I want to meet with you. Some of you have just denied it. And then I believe there's others of you real quick that have yet to even climb the tree. That you're too caught up in relationship. That you're too caught up in look 
that you're too caught up in pride, that you're too caught up in the world, that you're too caught up in fear. I don't know what it is that you're caught up in, but you have yet to say, man, I want to seek Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to hear from Jesus. That it isn't that you you haven't had an invitation. Just that you haven't accepted it. That I believe Jesus is inviting you in. He's welcoming you in. And maybe tonight is the night where that begins to change. Where you begin to make your way out of the tree. Well, maybe you, it, maybe it's like my whole life doesn't change, but maybe tonight is just a step. Okay, Jesus, I, I want to know you a little more. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to take another step to meet with you. I'm going to take another step to know you and, and to share with you, to invite you into the place that I live. At the end of the story, we see this change in Zacchaeus. Now, you need to understand that Zacchaeus' generosity isn't what gave him faith. See, if you read the story, it it says that he said, I'm going to give all this stuff. And then Jesus looks and says, hey, salvation has come to you. And you could almost assume that what if you didn't know the gospel and you didn't know Jesus, that he was saying, hey, because you've decided to be really like generous and stop doing bad things, that you have now been saved. But it wasn't his generosity that led to his faith. Rather, it was his faith that led to his generosity. That it was was Jesus working and moving in him that led to him saying, man, I want to be generous with what I have. Have any of you, I'm going to explain this in a different way. Have any of you ever had a friend's parent, like y'all are going to go to the mall, or you're going to go eat somewhere, right? And your friend's parent says, hey, let me give y'all a little bit of money to spend. Now, I say a friend's parent because my parents never had money, (laughs) and they were never about to give us money to go to the mall. They were like, well, you better get your own money. But my friend's parents sometimes, right, would be like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Here's 40 bucks. Oh, you're going to buy drinks at the gas station? Here's a $20 bill. And you're like, dude, this is way too much money for drinks at a gas station. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you're going to the mall, you're going wherever, and, you're, and they just give you way too much money. If it's never happened to you, I want you just to imagine it has. And the question I have is, how would you spend that money? How would you spend that money? I'm going to tell you what would happen when it would happen to me and my friends. We're going to the gas station, and my, and my friend's parents give us way too much money. We would buy everything. We might even invite our friends over and buy them things. I remember my friend, his dad gave him his credit card to fill his car up with gas. And what he did was he filled his car up with gas and he laid the pump down. And literally there's four of us and we all just moved our cars forward and filled our own cars up. And he said, my dad said I could fill it up with gas one time. So I figured I'd just fill all your cars up with gas one time. Because I'm not paying the bill. And I thought, your dad's going to kill you, but this is really awesome. And so I got a free tank of gas. Why? Because someone else was paying the bill. And so he was willing to be generous. 
That's what it looks like to have freedom in Christ, is to realize that someone else has paid the bill for your sins, so someone else is providing all that you need, that someone else is giving you everything, and that you can be generous with it all because he is paying the bill. See, we have a God who says, I love you, and I'm moving through you, and I've given you freedom in me so that you would go and live generously, not frugal, not selfishly, but generously. He said, I'm calling you to live generously, that you would go and have a freedom knowing that you can't outspend God, that you can't outgive God, that you can't outdo God but that God is the giver of all good things. He says, man, I'm calling you to live generously like your parents, like your friend's parents are paying the bill. I'm calling you to live man, where you love freely because you've found freedom in me. See, that's what Zacchaeus did, I believe is that instantly he wasn't dependent on that money. Instantly he wasn't dependent on all that wealth to give him the things he was trying to fulfill and have satisfaction in. But rather, Jesus suddenly filled it all. And so he was generous. And so my, my heart for you and, and my encouragement for you is that you would do the same is that you would recognize if you know Jesus, if you've come to a saving faith in Jesus, that he has freed you to live generously. That he has freed you to live openly. And he's freed you to pursue him. And he said, man, I'll provide what you need. Just get down from the tree. Just come and follow me. Freedom in Christ is recognizing that all your debt is paid. That all you have is his. And he is generous. And he's calling you to live generously. And so what we're going to do tonight in our small groups is we're going to be able to live that out. See, as Jesus begins to change us, the effect we have on others begins to change. I usually hear that. As Jesus begins to change you, as you get out of the tree and you say, God, I want to know you and I want to spend time in your word and I want to be real in my small groups and I want to hear from you and I want to worship truly, that as you begin to change, as Jesus begins to change you, your effect on others will begin to change. That it's not you just saying, okay, I just want to be good and do good. No, no, it's saying I want to pursue Jesus. And Jesus begins to change us. And we begin to change in the way we affect and treat others. And so tonight what we're going to do is we've um, a, a, a kind of adopted the senior living facility in South Norfolk called uh, Virginia Living Adults something or other. And it's in South Norfolk, and it's very, uh, like, like a poor place. Like, uh, these people are neglected, that they don't have... A lot of family members that come and, and help them out. They don't have a lot of family members that come and love on them. And they've been in quarantine since March. That they're not getting a lot of guests in. They're not getting a lot of people in. They're not getting a lot of love. And, and we have an opportunity 
We have an opportunity now in our small groups to write cards to them, to send some encouragement to them. You had an opportunity tonight to donate some things to them. You can also bring on Sunday. We'll, we'll wait till Sunday. If you want to bring some more stuff on Sunday, you can. Um, that we have an opportunity to just love and affect other people. And so my heart for your time in these groups is, one, that you would be real and honest about where you are in this progression of, man, have you climbed the tree and are you still in the tree and are you willing to get out of the tree and are you walking with Jesus? Have you invited him in? And then two, you would say, man, I would just encourage you, you'd be honest and, and, and encouraging and really put some effort in making some cards that we can send to some people who are really lonely and really need some love. And so I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to break into those small groups. God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for calling us out of the tree, Lord. Lord, you know our name. You know what goes on in our hearts and our minds. Lord, you know what matters to us the most. And God, you still love us. You know what we've done, and you forgive us when we ask. And God, you know who you're calling us to be, Lord, and we are so thankful that you do not leave us in our sinfulness and in our lostness and, and in the place where we're always searching. But God, you call us to something new and to something greater. God, you give us purpose. And so Lord, I ask that for my friends here that you would help them and help me follow you make time for you, Lord, to get out of that tree daily, pursue you. We love you. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.